listening to Rattle and Pedal, diversion thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Your hosts are Jason Malicki and Jeff McKay. So Jeff, this podcast is going to be all about death, dismemberment, murder, all the dark sides. You know, I've been thinking about this because I've been building this practice. I've been cultivating it and seeding it. I gave it my heart. I gave it my soul. I put everything into it. And now you, you ruthless marketer, you want to just kill it, kill it dead before you know, it reaches its full potential. Why do you want to do that to me? Because I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this, this episode, we are going to talk about killing a practice is the title we've given it. So before we do that, you raised a really valid point, which is what's a practice? What, What do we mean by a practice? When we use the phrase practice, what are we saying? Which We've sort of danced around this the last three or four episodes, but let's do that. Let's define that real quick before we jump into, you know, it's, I guess it's good to know what you're going to kill before you kill it, right? Yeah, that's a, a great point, particularly in professional services firms. I mean, when you look outside at product companies, killing a product is relatively straightforward. But when you get into professional services and matrix environments, you have practices, you have geographies, you have industries, you have combinations of those in solutions. And I think for purpose of this podcast, we'll use the word practice, but there really is a continuum of things that we'll be touching on and the how to kill a practice that we'll be talking about really applies to all of those things that fall into a matrix. We will probably not be talking primarily about some big P&L driven line of business. What we're talking about here are probably subsidiaries within a practice, although what we're talking about could pertain to a big practice with a, a P&L. So that's what we're talking about. Okay. So just to reflect to what I think you said, I mean, I, I, I think what you're saying is... Is sorry, I mean it that way. The, the practice, you know, when we use the phrase practice, what we're really implying is it could be an industry vertical that you're operating in. It could be a specific discipline that you've built. It could be a sub-discipline of a, of, a, of a broader discipline, I suppose. It could be a geography. It could be you're an engineering firm and you're operating in North Dakota and you don't want to operate in North Dakota anymore for one reason or another. As I said at the beginning, you know, I've put, I've put my heart and soul into this thing. Why do you want to kill it? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with my baby? Why, why are we killing this in the first place? A basic business acumen would say, we're going to kill this product because there's no market for it or it's not profitable. And that's relatively straightforward. I think in most professional services firms, while that pertains, it really is about opportunity costs because so many of these practices, industries, geos pop up opportunistically. Either they're following some fad, some consulting fad, or some partner or wannabe partner builds a book of business and goes after a given market and it gets elevated to a a practice or a product level within a brand architecture. But I think for us, it's, it's in professional services, the profitability is relatively straightforward. It's the opportunity cost of a practice when, when is it not generating enough revenue or enough profit to siphon off resources that could be better invested elsewhere? 
Well, two thoughts on that. The first is, to your point, and a lot of AE firms I've found over the years, they open up whole geographies just by following a client. You know, So they'll, they'll be a client that takes them to Austin, Texas. And so they go open an office there to do a large project. And then they try to build a, build a foothold in that, in that market as a result. So that, that probably, your, your notion of starting something and then maybe it doesn't pan out, it would be a very you know, relevant example there for some firms. The second thing I was going to throw out there is that what about growth? You know, so I would imagine there are situations where maybe the practice is not growing or it's not growing as fast as the firm would like. So there's an opportunity cost there. And I'm going to share an example that's a little bit far afield. But here in Columbus, years ago, there was uh, Brugger's Bagels was in town. They had 12 or 15 locations all over the city. And then it, they just abruptly closed them all down at once. So out of nowhere, they just were closing all these things down. And I remember the interview they gave on it was they, they just basically said that they were not profitable enough. They weren't growing enough. It wasn't that they weren't profitable and it wasn't that they weren't growing. It's that they weren't growing at the pace that the organization wanted to see from the market. So they exited. I don't know that firms are usually quite as deliberate as that, but I, I do think that is another reason you'd kill a practice. You say, well, you know, this practice over here is growing at a 40% clip. These AI guys are killing it. And over here, we're not growing at all. So maybe we should think about, to your point, opportunity cost, allocating our resources elsewhere. So when I think about it, and this is this is kind of the methodology I've used as a CMO and, and that I use at, at Prudent Pedal in looking at markets and how we attack and in, invest in them is a four square, if you will, and, and up the vertical axis on the left side. Wait, is a two by two? Is this a two, two by, by two? two? A two by two. <laughs> yes. but, I'm, but, draw, but, I'm drawing but, it right but, now. All, all our listeners, get out a piece of paper, draw your two by two. Okay, go. It's 3D. Well, you can see this in the how to build the optimal marketing organization, how to allocate your marketing investments. Gosh, I think I put this two by two in everything I do. Did you used to work for BCG? Didn't they invent the two by two? Oh, gosh. Stop. Stop. Anyway, okay, keep going. Sorry. So, so up the left vertical axis is the market issue, the challenge that you're going to solve. Up the right vertical axis is the growth rate. And then along the bottom is the brand's relevance. So up the left vertical axis of the issue and the awareness of the market, at the top of that axis, the market really is not aware of the issue. There's a lot of, of demand gen, if you will, that needs to be created there. At the bottom is a well-known issue. Everybody knows what's going on. And then the growth, you know, high growth at the top, low growth at the bottom and brand relevance, low relevance, bottom left, high brand relevance, far right. Even if a market's growing really well and the market's not aware of the issue, if your brand and your marketing just cannot get a foothold in that market, you should get out of it. You should get out of it. And I think most firms just, you know, spend money. Uh, throw money away trying to build relevance in a, that they're never going to achieve. So when you think about the investment in killing a practice, what's your starting point and can you get to competitive? It's a simple way of thinking about it. I think what you're saying is you, you might want to kill a practice in a high growth market if you have low relevance there because you're, you cannot you're not, get to you're not, Yeah, you're not getting the growth. So yeah, the growth is there, but you're not getting a piece of it. And then, of course, you might still want to kill a practice in a low growth market where you have high relevance, where, you know, hey, everyone knows us for this, but this is a dying market. I had a friend of mine that was a former client that was leading a dry cleaning supply company. And and I would talk with him a lot about that, where that's not that's a negative growth market. It's declining. 
everyone knows it's declining. And so how do you manage through that? It's a pretty fascinating thing. Okay. So now let's talk about who makes the decision as you threw this out. Does marketing usually make this decision? My, my hunch is, well, I think we both agreed, usually marketing probably does not make the, the decision to kill a practice, but let's talk about marketing's role real quick. How, how should marketing be involved? Marketing clearly does not make this decision. You know, this is a business decision. It's probably a leadership team decision, whether that's at the practice level or at the firm level, but marketing should be actively involved. I would argue, contrary to the way marketing normally performs, that marketing should be bringing to the attention of the leadership team those practices that should be killed. And, you know, on the smart Shinola list, one of the line items is build a business case to kill a practice because it's sucking off resources that could be invested elsewhere. And I think a healthy firm is always evaluating that. I mean, there's clear criteria about what's enough growth at what rate and at what profitability. But marketing should be bringing the discipline to that because the practice probably isn't going to, particularly if this is a pet practice industry or geography of a partner. They're emotionally attached to it. They don't want it to be seen as a failure. They don't want it to hurt their reputation. And it's not healthy for a firm to just let it kind of die through a pocket veto or neglect, because that confuses the market. That confuses existing clients. And it's just not a good high-performance way to uh, attack the management of the business. So let's talk about that for a second, because I, I see two ways you kill a practice. And that was sort of way number one, is you just starve it. You say, well, we're going to continue providing this service. You know, we're going to stay in the market, but we're just not going to market the service. It can still exist. If there's an inbound inquiry, a client wants help in this area and we can make profit delivering it, that's fine. But let's not put proactive marketing or business development resources against this practice anymore. And I think if I heard you correctly, you're saying that's unhealthy and you shouldn't do that. Just talk about why. Why not? What happens when you do that? Well, it, that can be healthy okay. to milk the decline. How you yeah. go about milking it is important. You know, I, I think number one is is making sure clients understand how you're going to <laughs> milk it, not in those terms, but you know what I mean. Manage expectations of the manage decline. Yeah. Be very smart about how resources go in. Normally in a mature market, the way you described it, from a traditional textbook marketing approach is more marketing dollars are poured into that practice or product and it's differentiated around the edges for incremental market share gains. And I think it's important for firms to look at, is that investment of time, money and resources worth the return that we're getting from it? Or is it now it's time to stop that? or really cut it back. And then if you do cut it back, if you do cut it back in traditional firms, if my practice is 40% of the business, but it's declining at you know, 10% a year, but it's still profitable, what happens to that profit? A wise business decision would be to allocate that profit to the growth areas, but you can get into some pretty political battles about where those those dollars are going. And that's another hard dimension to, to killing a practice that is still somewhat large and producing profit, but declining. And that's why these decisions are so hard in firms. 
Yeah, I, I would I would think what you just described is is universal a universal challenge though it extends beyond professional services firms. Mm-hmm. You think about product based businesses when you have a you know a large it's the cash cow business right it's the business mm-hmm. that's generating all the all the revenue and profit but it's declining in growth and, and you know it. Mm-hmm. It's the crux of the innovator's dilemma in a lot of ways, right? Absolutely. And that's why marketing can play a very important role in understanding why is their growth not happening in that practice? Could it be that solution is just simply in decline because of market demand? And if you look at something like uh, Towers Parent is, is a good example or Hewitt or Buck and those, those human capital firms. They were all actuarial firms helping firms manage pension risk. Well, the mm-hmm. only place that has pensions anymore are primarily public governments, states and municipalities. There's no more growth in that. Everybody else has gone to 401ks or some other kind of plan. That's clearly a declining market. But other markets may be doing well, but the practice itself is just broken and needs to be fixed. So delineating between those two and determining whether or not something can be fixed is the role marketing should be playing in that. But when we're talking about managing and milking a decline, that's very different than, you know, fixing a mature business that's just kind of gone off the rails. Yeah. No, there's, there's so many interesting things and in everything you just said. I'm trying not to take a step off too far off track because I would argue there's there's whole firms that are, like you said, differentiating on the edges of a mature service that may even be in decline and they may not even fully be aware of it. And it's a mm-hmm. kind of a scary thought, but I would argue that that's the case. In fact, I would actually argue that that's a problem in a lot of agencies that they're they're sort of clinging to services that that are somewhat in decline or are are just so pervasive and hyper competitive that it's really hard to to really find any differentiable angle to them. You're listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on growing your professional services firm. Your hosts are Jason Malicki, principal of Rattleback, the marketing agency for professional services firms, and Jeff McKay, former CMO and founder of strategy consultancy, Prudent Pedal. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to Jason and Jeff. So the, the second way I thought of killing a practice was, I, I call it just shutting it off Steve Jobs style. And it's sort of that iconic moment in his in his return to Apple when he walks in the boardroom and draws a, I think he draws a two by two matrix on the, on the whiteboard and says, we're going to be here, 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 and here. Any business that's outside of that, we're shutting off today. And so that's when they killed all their peripherals business and their printers and all that kind of stuff. And it was literally, we're shutting it off today. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, no, six months. It's like, no, we're shutting it off today. He's like, call the manufacturing plant and tell them to, to close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that to me is the second way to do it is you literally just, you just shut it down. Is there a third, is there another way to do this? I mean, I, I mean, I guess you're either managing through the decline or, or starving it. You know, those are probably different angles of, of similar things or, or you're just, you just shut it off. You just say, we're going to stop providing this service. We're going to stop operating in this market. Is there any other avenue you would think about taking if you've made the decision or shutting this practice down? I can't think of one, but maybe you've got one that's not right in front of me that I'm not thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are, there are, and, and you, you just talked about this of, of firms out there trying to differentiate on the edge. I think there are firms out there built around fads, Hmm. whether it's TQM, these are some historical ones, but TQM, Japanese management, 
Y2K, management by objectives, even digital to some degree are built around a fad or a trend. So I think being able to distinguish between, you know, what's a fad and, and what's, you know, long-term viability. And we talked about this from a, a marketing perspective, but I think a lot of those fads practices should be just cut off. When I was at Anderson, we had a new CEO come in. This was at the height of the internet.com phase. And I was part of what was called the enterprise group, which was the middle market practice of the firm that had been incredibly profitable, serving family businesses, private, mid-sized businesses. And the new CEO just said, we're killing that. It's Hmm. gone. And all the resources on that are now allocated towards emerging public companies. And we poured all those resources into startups and venture-backed companies that were trying to get to IPO. It was a strategic decision. We were growing so fast. We couldn't meet the demand coming in. And the demand and the profitability and the growth was in emerging companies, not in stayed middle market at that time. It really depends on the situation. We should do a whole podcast on that whole, that story, because that's a really fascinating thing is you think about a mismatch of expertise, right? You couldn't have two more polarly opposite business types than the, than the one you went out of from the one you went into. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I'd love yes. to hear that story. It is crazy. But, but to answer your question, and I think this is where most of our listeners will probably play around this. If your firm does not have a codified and agreed upon brand architecture and solution architecture that is signed off by the leadership team, your priority should be building one. Most firms just have some kind of menu structure on their website that says, here's our solutions, here's our industries, here's kind of our subcategories. Where most people will be playing in managing a declining or killing a practice industry geography will be in that brand or solution architecture. And most firms have their primary level of, of solutions capabilities. And, and normally it's the same face as internal structure and where the P&Ls are. And then they kind of cascade down. Marketers control how that market face gets rendered. And if you're going to move a practice down a level or a two so that you still have market visibility, but you communicate to the market that that's not core to who you are. So if we go back to Towers Perrin, you know, you would move down actuarial and pensions maybe to a lower level from a practice to just general retirement. At Anderson, if you were moving from middle market companies, your brand architecture may be restructured around company size. You know, this is an SAP model. Hewitt was this way where you have global companies, middle market companies, and venture back companies. So when people are coming to the website, they see that you serve them as a buyer. So you rearrange that market face accordingly and then slot in if you need to that practice service geography or industry. Okay. So that's really interesting. So so from your perspective, you know, almost in some ways, marketing's biggest role in this is codifying the rules of engagement around this. Sort of sort of saying, well, this is the structure by which we're going to market. And now that the partner group 
have decided that you want to exit this, we have to rethink this architecture. And that's sort of the, the maybe the, the most critical role they have in terms of managing, you know, the, the decision to to kill a practice. Yeah. And along with that, the communication that we talked about earlier. Setting client expectations and helping the consultants know how to do that. Yeah. And a, and a corollary to that, let's, let's say the way you fix a declining business or a business that you choose not to be in anymore, well, we haven't touched on it, it could be a strategic decision. We're getting out of that business because we no longer want to be in it. We're going to reposition around this business. So we don't want to just take that revenue off the table and take a big hit. We're going to sell that unit, that practice to somebody else. If that happens, marketing is going to play a role in how that's carved out and how the buyer is going to manage that firm or that part of the firm and transition any brand equity over to the new firm. Marketing needs to play an active role in negotiating to what degree will the new firm be able to use you know, the prior firm's brand for how long, if at all, and then help them manage that out as well. I think there's there's multiple options there. Well, that's a great point because we we talked about the mechanics of how you kill a practice, and that was one obvious one that we just left off the table up until right now. Is well, you just carve it off and sell it, and that happens all the time. I want to say it was Kurt Salmon that got basically disassembled and sold in its parts to different practices. Uh, ECG bought a piece of the bought the bought the healthcare practice and the retail practice went somewhere else. So I mean, yeah, that's a really valid point. It's worth noting. All right, so in the interest of time, we're about out of time. So I wanted to just throw out one final thought and then we'll call it a wrap. We, we talked about so many of the reasons why you might want to kill a practice. What are some reasons that firms might want to retain unprofitable practices? So practices that are either just break even or maybe even losing money. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Competitive pressure, creating barriers to entry you know, to new competitors. Some might be offered as loss leaders for follow-on types of businesses. And many may keep them just because of emotional connection to yeah. you know, a founder or, or some other reason. I think there's a, a, another one I'd throw in there is there's value in the integration. So there's value in that, that service being provided by the firm integrated with other disciplines within the firm. Absolutely. To the, to, the, to the client. But yeah, I thought that was worth noting because I think there are situations where you have a practice that's not profitable, it's not growing, but you shouldn't kill it. And there may be very tangible reasons for that. I mean, we, so we shouldn't necessarily say, hey, let's just throw it out. And you know, no matter what, there may be other reasons to, to keep it. And you know what's great about what you said that, Jason, is it's important for people to know that these are and should be strategic decisions and there should be clear rationale for why they're there, having them there just because they've always been there or because of some emotional connection or an inability to actually just cut it are not strategic reasons. And that's the takeaway for this, that marketers should be guiding the strategic decisions, not just letting something die on the vine. It just doesn't do the brand any good. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, the interesting thing, it's also liberating when you do that. We had a client that was a, an engineering firm that had basically a, a drilling practice, you know, so that they would go out and they would drill cores and to, to test ground samples for clients. And it was very hard to be profitable in that business. And on some levels, it's sort of like they were beating themselves up because every time they talk about that practice, they would talk about how it really wasn't very profitable and they should exit the business. And they had all these reasons why it was sort of creating frustration inside the, the, the leadership team. And when we approached it strategically and said, well, why, do, why don't we just get rid of it then? And they said, well, no, 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 we need it because it's, it's valuable to our other parts of the firm. The, having that service is a key differentiator for us in other aspects of what we do. It liberated them to look at it differently and say, wait a minute, why are we beating ourselves up for our inability to figure out how to differentiate this thing and make it work as a practice and just focus on it is what it is. It's there to differentiate the broader offering. And I think it just liberates the leaders to look at that differently than they had been and take some of that pressure off and make, like you said, the strategic decision that we're going to retain this practice and here's why. Not mm -hmm. just let's beat ourselves up in perpetuity for you know our inability <laughs> to break the mold on this thing, which was kind of what had been happening before we had the conversation. Not that we solved the problem, but we, you know, we we helped them kind of think it through that way. So Yeah. Yeah. So ask the tough questions. Yep. So on that note, we are going to say goodbye. Gonna say goodbye to that practice you've always wanted to kill. You've been you've been begging to kill it for years, and I finally agreed. So I guess goodbye to whatever practice we're killing. I will, I enjoyed this conversation immensely. I hope our listeners did as well. I will talk next week. Hey, maybe so our listeners aren't leaving on such a sad note. We should end <laughs> uh, U2's "It's a Beautiful Day." <laughs> See you, Jay. See you, Jeff. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rattle and Pedal, divergent thoughts on marketing and growing professional services firms. Find content related to this episode at rattleandpedal.com. Rattle and Pedal is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, oh, oh.